You're listening to a Monster Kid Podcast. <laughs> we interrupt this broadcast to bring you this special message. How's it going, eh? Today's show on the Monster Kid Podcast Network is a classic. Hosted by two comedic geniuses who've watched way too much North American cinema from the 21st century. Mike Pisacano and Anthony Cilio. Entitled Cinemarketing, this podcast chronicles the heroic adventures of two latter-day consumers of film and the marketing surrounding them. Or, to use the correct 20th century terminology, losers. We hope you give it three thumbs up. Welcome to Cinemarketing. The trailers may have lied to you, but we won't. I am your host, Mike Desicano. And I am your co-host for this uh, particular segment of Cinemarketing, Louis Otero. And I want to just point out that while the opening states that we will not lie to you, that is just the Cinemarketing blanket, you know, opening. It does not speak for me. Trust nothing I ever Lewis said. Lewis will lie to you. I will, he does I will not care absolutely about, lie to you. He does not care about uh, his integrity as no, a I have none. as a journalist, as a purveyor of news in the entertainment culture, and nor it has he ever. Nothing to me. Um, but no, this is our second episode of Market Research. Uh, I think we had a very successful run on the first episode when we had you here to talk about all of the movie marketing news from February. Now we're here for the month of March. Uh, all of the significant marketing and uh, promotional stuff that's been announced or released for movies that have come out in March of 2022. And the first thing we're going to talk about is a little bit of a, a follow up from the last episode on the Batman. So. By the time we had recorded the last episode, the Batman was not out yet. Neither of us had seen it. I was but... 20, exactly 24 hours away from watching the film uh, yeah. when we recorded that last episode. We were also exactly one hour removed from having eaten the Batman pizza from Little Caesars. Uh, yeah. But now uh, a couple of things now have been re- announced or released in the wake of the release of the Batman one of which is Lewis uh, got his NFT from the Batman from ordering his tickets from AMC. I sure did. I sure I it, it's all worth it now. Like the the ticket. So just for for clarification, I spent sixty dollars on two tickets to see this movie. Like it, it, it that's a ridiculous amount of money for two movie tickets. But I yeah. paid it, and I was like bummed out. I was like, oh, I could have waited, and I could have just used my AMC a list and i wouldn't have had to pay anything extra but i i spent the 60 bucks but i was like oh at least i get this very valuable and important thing the nft uh that so, everyone everyone agrees is really important is the future of our economy and so, we need more of it in video games movies and like uh gynecologists super bowl commercials <laughs> yeah were you actually excited about getting the nft were you like oh this is my incentive to buy these tickets now no jesus christ no i i bought the tickets literally the second they went on sale i didn't know about the nft until i went into the apps i i didn't care either way i i do think nfts are the worst and stupid and i love seeing companies fuck up by engaging with them but uh yeah no i didn't give a shit but but then you know like a week and a half after the screening that i went to i got an email being like hey good news this is how you claim your nft and i was like great whatever and then i like you know moved on with my life and then i think i just sent you guys a screenshot because that was funny um and then uh brian from 
bloody in love had posted his nft that he got when he went to like uh an early screening of it and so i was like you know what i'm curious i wonder what my nft looks like so i i did the thing i logged in i made the account and like when i got there i realized what nfts were like it all made sense to me it was do you remember the old cartoon network website uh where you could clay like collect and trade these little circle pictures essentially <laughs> i guess i mean they're basically online trading cards they're online they're trading cards they're online trading cards that people have assigned way too much fucking money to uh but anyway i claimed mine because i want to know and it's just a picture of the bad mob it's just marketing it, it's just fucking like promotion stills it's, it's cinema not marketing it's <laughs> cinema marketing and i hate it just like the podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, anyway but but uh one thing that you did mention that I would like to go back to is that you said you had to pay $30 for these tickets. So on the opening weekend of the Batman, there were rumors or it was actually confirmed that AMC specifically was charging more money for the Batman tickets on opening weekend than any other movie. And I checked to make sure when that was announced, I'm like, cause that doesn't sound like a real thing. And I checked, I was like, I looked at the Batman on opening weekend, like all throughout the day. Like matinee prices were like thirteen forty nine, but I checked like a screening of Uncharted and and, and other movies. It was twelve forty nine, so they were charging one whole doll hair more than every other movie throughout the entire weekend of the opening of Batman, which I think is a very dangerous slippery slope to cause like artificial premium price surges for movies. Yeah, I, I, it, it's 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 scary, uh, and and the way they've talked about it since has been like pretty alarming. Basically saying like, oh yeah, this is just something like we're like fucking testing out, and apparently like this is something. I'm I'm entering into an area where like I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure on the the specifics of it, but but essentially there was sentiment from this someone at this company at some point stating that like movies will eventually become like going to a sporting event or going to the opera most of it you are going to watch like from the comfort of your own home but when you want to go out and watch it live or or in the grandest scale possible you'll go to these like stadiums to do so and you'll buy seats which is like a uh you know a thing we took from like the sports culture and whatever and we've recently implemented into movie theaters and they will be way more expensive and like therefore more exclusive and uh you know classist and awful just like broadway yeah uh but the thing is is that if you go to currently if you go to pay money to see a movie in the theater it's already more expensive than sitting at home and watching a movie on the streaming for free yeah so so the, (laughs) the point is that now it's not just expensive it's completely unaffordable to an entire class of people as it gets higher and higher and higher and higher and and I think you know what I think people just need to get out and work more. If you work more, then you, yeah. you can afford to go see these movies. Look, you know? my dad uh, defended a serial killer, and uh, I was born rich, yeah. so I know what I'm talking about here. You have to work more, you lazy sack of garbage. <laughs> All right, so more. Uh, we got a couple more bits of tidbits of news about the Batman, some of which might venture into spoiler territory so if you haven't seen the batman yet and you still care uh just skip ahead at least maybe five minutes because the batman train is here yeah so as we all remember at the end of the batman there was a barry keoghan as the joker face reveal there were 
rumors and rumblings and whispers about it beforehand and like oh he's at the premiere i wonder what he's doing there and it's yeah. like oh he's well, playing the joker and it's like well are they going to reveal it in this movie or is it going to be a thing for later on it's like oh no there's a there's a scene at the end uh, that's tacked on where he's talking to the riddler in the jail cell but there's also another scene a deleted scene where uh batman goes to interrogate the joker in his holding cell in a very Hannibal Lecter-esque type of way to get information about the Riddler and stuff like that. What did you think about Barry Keoghan as the Joker? And do you do you care? Are you excited to see him in future installments? What did you think of these scenes? Uh, there's nothing wrong. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the performance. I, I can honestly care less. The inclusion in this movie is really weird and awkward. They, they, they were of two minds of how to handle it. Uh, there's have the Joker scene that they've released after the fact, which is like, you know, a part of the actual plot of the film, or there is just have like what is essentially a post-credit scene, which should have been a post-credit scene because it make it feels really off in the context of the film. Uh, and I guess inserted in the last like 15 minutes and hope people are excited about it. But I, you know, he's not, this is not, the Joker's not going to probably be like the villain of any movie matt reeves directs like i'm I'm pretty comfortable saying that uh I, I i think he he was trying to set up what this batman has been doing for the past two years or so that he's been in operation which is whatever and and beside the fact he also just seems like spinoff fodder because they're doing this hbo max series, which we'll get to in a second but an hbo max series about arkham asylum and they want to start building out who is in arkham asylum in the the batman universe which is all well and good but the Batman is such a good fucking movie. Like, like just like an actual, like I think a quality film that like, it doesn't need these weird, like really unsubtle and uh, just tacky kind of uh, additions to the film. Right. I, I mean, am I, am I being too no, uptight about this? No, I, no, no, no. I, I, I agree with you. Uh, I mean, especially because we've just, I feel like we've just been in such a burnout of Joker content for the past couple oh, of years yeah, that, like, that like because in, in theory ben, barry keoghan as the joker sounds like great casting like the killing of a sacred deer basically is a joker movie like it mm -hmm. is it is like auditioning to play the joker because he's of how like menacing and psychologically mm, deserved he's that, sociopath that, yeah and he's great in that movie and when there were rumors of him being the joker i was like well that makes logical sense and then seeing it in the movie i'm like well it's certainly Yep, it's the Joker again, but it's the fact that like they keep treating it like oh, it's this big reveal. It's like, can't we just have just does the Joker always have to be a reveal? Can't we just have the Joker just like yeah, be like you know the villain of the movie without it being like oh god, we gotta tease him for the next one. I mean, even Batman Begins had like the little sting at the end with the Joker card, but like he wasn't in the movie. It wasn't built and up obscure and cast it. Like that's the thing is that they they cast the role. So if you're ever gonna use him again, like if this is a blurry character. That's just stupid. That that just means that you don't know how to uh like you're creatively stumped on how to portray this character on screen. So you have the character cast and you have him on screen. Not showing him is a really odd visual choice. I, I you know, and maybe there's a reason that I'm not understanding. I'm sure there is in fact, but like just seems really, really bizarre considering Barry Keoghan or Keegan is is not like a you know a small name anymore like that that carries weight now like that's significant people aren't just going to forget that Barry Keegan was 
the Joker if you recast him in a future film starring Robert Pattinson. So just show him and make it look good. Just make it look good if you're going to include him. Is that that difficult? But uh, we also, you mentioned plans for HBO Max spinoffs and stuff. So why don't you go into some more details about some of those? Yeah, man. So um, HBO Max is like kind of spinoff happy as far as these DC things go. Um, Coming off of like the announcement of this film and Matt Reeves directing it, like pretty immediately there were stories about how he wanted to do a spinoff series about the Gotham City Police Department for which, hbo max which haven't we had like three of those shows already yeah like, what, and they're all bad they're all not good um and so so you know everyone was like this is dumb uh cops are stupid and i don't want to watch a show like this but they were like no it's, we, we got an angle it's going to be great and then you know flash forward to i don't know like a month and a half ago like like they're like it becomes very clear that they are not talking about the series anymore. Like there's no more news coming out of it. And then uh, about like two weeks later, they just announced that it's not, it's not happening anymore. And by announcing, I mean like Matt Reeves mentions it in an interview on his like, you know, press tour for the Batman. And, and it's, it's really bizarre. He's like, no, I don't think we're doing that anymore. Um, but I think we might do something with like an Arkham Asylum show instead, which is sounds great. I think that's a better idea for a show than fucking cops. I, I never want to see cops in TV ever. Also, wasn't there also rumors of there's going to be a Penguin spinoff series? Oh, no, that's anything? not a rumor. That is that is the surest thing coming. Like this Arkham series may or may not happen. The Colin Farrell Penguin series is is going down whether we like it or not. Hmm. I mean, um, listen, I loved Colin Farrell in the movie. I thought he was great. Yeah. But I also feel like the thing you 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 brought up with the Batman before where it's like the Batman is it's such like a good like quality f- piece of cinema that all of this other spin-off shit just makes it kind of feel like oh this is just every other big hollywood superhero series yeah. like there's not it's not special i don't know just, i'm I'm given hope by like matt reeves being on board for all the stuff he he's good like uh, no one needs to argue about that but like i i like cinematic universes i think like just in general and i like the idea that this is a batman who is has the potential to just start out really normal and grounded and just get progressively weirder which is kind of what happened with batman like that 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 works and I'm, it uh, seems like they want to go weirder with it, like, and and if, it, if we get like a like sequel that is just another like terrorist villain, like God, like I can't do it, like I just I can't do just like we're gonna blow up, uh, we're gonna put bombs in these vans or we're gonna put bombs in these specific buildings and blow shit up. Where I don't know the the best one was to- uh, fucking scarecrows fear gas that at least felt like comic booky and bizarre but now it's just ugh, i was so disappointed in the batman when they fucking revealed that the the big master plan was he's like i'm gonna i have bombs and vans which is every fucking dark night like movie does that like eight million times yeah i mean but here's the thing though is that like i feel like with this I'm really looking forward to another just like a good just grounded a superhero trilogy like I don't need I don't want all these spinoffs like you said you like cinematic universes I'm done with them get them out of here (laughs) I can't I can't with another one of these movies yeah even like let's say like I liked the Suicide Squad and by all means I've heard that Peacemaker is good but like the announcement of like 
oh god another a, a show like i think I, I could deal with another movie but a whole show is like that's a little too much for me to handle i don't know a lot of the shows are better than the movies i gotta say i mean peacemaker is like just phenomenal like like i know you were like yeah i guess it's good it's not just good it's like one of the best shows that came out last year like it is it is a fucking strong in comparison to series. any in comparison to all of the marvel disney plus shows yeah th- those um, i genuinely like that that sword so far above what marvel is doing i watched the first episode of moon Knight today we'll get to marvel stuff later but I watched the first episode of Moon Knight today and I was like, this is good. And I like Moon Knight. I like Moon Knight a lot, but I was like, this is good. And I moved on. But like Peacemaker was like, they should be getting awards for this. Like, it's a fucking really good, well-written, just smart, constructed show. Well, in other DC Warner Brother related news, we brought up last time that there was that uh, that trailer for the all of the DC movies from 2022, and which played in theaters right before yep. the Batman. And no, it, and and during its run, I I saw the movie like two weeks ago, and it, it played that trailer. Yep. And now it has been announced that all of those movies that are in that trailer are now no longer coming out in 2022. Uh, Aquaman 2 was delayed from December 2022 to March 2023. So in a year from now, we'll have seen Aquaman 2. Uh, The Flash has been delayed from November of 2022 to June 2023. And who knows, it may even get delayed even further, considering uh, all of the news about Ezra Miller currently. (laughs) <laughs> nah, it's it's coming out. They they clearly don't care. This isn't the first uh, Ezra Miller offense. They they're just gonna steam full steam ahead. So yeah, so Black Adam has been delayed from July of 2022 to October of 2022. So it's still coming out in 2022. Super Pets was delayed from I think May of 2022 to July. It's so only a couple of months. As again, I know we're all like, you know, we're all on pins and needles just waiting for Super Pets to come out. And then Shazam 2 Fury of the Gods has moved up. So it was originally slated for mid 2023 and now will come out uh, in December of 2022. Yeah, Um, this is what I call killing time. Uh, And by that, I mean, there's a big merger about to happen where Discovery is going to have control over all of this, you know, cinematic universe horseshit. And they don't know what to do and they don't know what to write. And they now no longer seem to know in what order should these movies uh, be released so that we can continue uh, a storyline or whatever their version of a, you know, overarching cinematic universe storyline is. I I don't know. I've heard a lot of things about this uh, that discoveries like there's a, a, you know, a base of people on the internet who really want the Snyder shit to happen. So why not just have Ben Affleck come back as Batman? If you just make a good movie, like people will do it. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Keaton's still on deck. Keaton's shot all the shit for that movie. And we don't have a new release date for Batgirl, which we knew featured Keaton's Batman. And now we no longer know if Keaton's Batman is going to be the cinematic universe's Batman after uh, the flash and the flash had reshoots that apparently, and again, rumors and like, you know, a lot of like bro, trust me sources, I'm sure. But uh, apparently 
they were the recent reshoots on the flash were to make a more ambiguous ending as to who the current DCEU's Batman is Keaton or Affleck. I don't know if that's true, but that has been heard. I, I, I gotta say though, if it is just Ben Affleck, then it's like, well, this is a disappointment. It's like, well, I don't know. I'd well, much rather have him than fucking Keaton again. Jesus Christ. I mean, I would rather, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, okay, that's fair. Like just getting Keaton to come back just out of nowhere for, from 30 years ago it's like yeah yeah that feels that feels really bad. but i think it's like the reveal of like oh it's ben affleck it's like okay well i guess that's that's the case but also it's like i think with the batman now can we like scorch earth the rest of the batman just make pattinson the batman now like we don't or or are we gonna have pattinson is the batman like the one like the real batman and then ben affleck and all this other shit that's going on in the dceu that's its own shit like that. My, my thinking behind that is that one of them gets relegated to HBO Max, the other one gets relegated to movies. And whoever is in the HBO Max one, you know, maybe lines up with the Titans and Doom Patrol shit. If anything, like make it more of a TV series. But like, yeah, they having them both coexist actually might create confusion. Uh like it's a val- it's a valid concern this time. Hmm. All right, so now that we've uh, dealt with all of the DC and Warner Brothers stuff, now it's time to go onto the other side of the aisle. Time to talk about the Marvel stuff. So, Lewis, I feel like you could take the reins on this. You're the superhero guy. Why don't you tell us what's happening in the Marvel world? Sure, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is the one of the most miserable marvel studios shoots i've I've ever heard of like it's just been terrible <laughs> since day like comically and publicly really bad um what with their anti-vax star who is the rumored successor to chadwick boseman's black panther um and injuries delaying the shoots multiple breaks because of covid um this sounds like it's just so prepped to be a shit show uh and it wrapped filming which is cool i guess you know um it's 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 done it seemed like it would never be done um but they're going to to post and they'll probably do reshoots and it's not coming out for a long while but uh a terrible like news story that came out like as they were wrapping was ryan coogler uh, being mistaken for a criminal at a bank and 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 being, uh, I think, arrested. So he was detained by police because he was mistaken for a bank robber, something I did not think was a real thing. Mm. I thought that's just that's just games we play as kids. We're cops and robbers. Nobody goes into a bank anymore with a with a burlap sack and a <laughs> ski mask and is like, put all the money in the rat in the bag. Yeah, no, that's not that's that cartoon character you just described. That's not people. Um, I I mean, luckily it looks like it got all sorted out and he's, you know, he's now free to go, or at least he has been, but like hopefully they're not keeping him still like no, locked no. up. It, it was cleared up one, relatively one, clearly. Yeah. His but, one phone call was Letitia Wright, and he's, he's <laughs> like, Oh, oh now you need me. Oh, okay. Not, he's gonna have her come and just cough all over everyone in the police department. All right, so now, yeah, so now let's move into non-Disney. Well, now it's Disney Marvel stuff, but yeah, uh, Dead, yeah. Deadpool three. So the yeah, uh, so, fucking Sean Levy's directing it. Hope you liked Free Guys, everyone. Uh, Free uh, Guy and fucking the Adam Project, because yeah, 
the generic sci-fi Hollywood blockbuster trilogy of Sean Levy and Ryan Reynolds movies, they released an image of the three Ryan Reynolds characters like standing together, like let's complete this trilogy. It's like, oh yes, this singular vision from these artistic geniuses. I tried watching Free Guy. We got like 45 minutes in and I'm like, okay, I got to stop with this. Like this, it (laughs) felt like Reddit, the movie, like it felt like, like I'm, I felt like I'm, am I like, I felt like a dork watching the movie. I'm like, I gotta stop this stupid. I didn't even get to the Disney Marvel shit at the end, but. (laughs) Oh, is that a thing that happens at the end of that? Oh, did you not know that the ending of Free Guy, like he summons the power of Captain America's shield and a lightsaber to fight the main villain? Oh, God. And it plays the music. (laughs) I will use the power of capitalism to crush you. Yeah. <sighs> All right, and uh, so so now I think the rest of this Marvel stuff is oh yeah, well, your real quick so you... on on Deadpool. Apparently, he's showing up uh, in Multiverse of Madness. That that has been the thing, and that is their way of introducing him into uh, the Marvel universe. Again, footnote: just okay, that is whatever. Um, so I think it was Deadline this week that reported that uh, there's a Noah project being developed at Marvel. This has been a thing everyone's been expecting since like the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie when they introduced the Nova Corps. Um, the specifics of this though are, are, are really unclear. They don't know if it's going to be a film or like another Disney Plus series, and uh, they're not really sure who which Nova they're going to use. Though I think the prevailing rumor now is that it will involve both uh, Richard Ryder, the original Nova, and Sam Alexander. Do you, do you care about Nova at all, Mike? I- don't know anything about it i i think at this point my my interest in new marvel heroes is is waning exponentially like every time we announce a new hero who gets a new series yeah. on disney plus i'm like i can't i can't keep watching new characters do more of the same shit like i, I i'll i think that there was a the, the marvel cinematic universe has opened such a can of worms where it's like because i remember when i was a kid it's like i had limited knowledge of like the superheroes that i knew and i could get into those but then like all these other Every new care, every new hero gets re- introduced and has a series, and I'm like, I can't keep up with all this shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I can't blame it. Look, I I like all this shit. I I yeah, enjoy it, but I mean, uh, yeah, Spider Man was Spider Man No Way Home was the only Marvel movie I've seen post Avengers, <laughs> and I think it's because at that point I'm like, this is my cap. Like this is no, not Captain America, but this is like where my limit is. Where it's like, all right, I know Spider Man. I'll go see that. And maybe yeah. that's the reason why movies are dying right now, because nobody wants to take uh, a risk on new things that aren't uh, properties that they already know. But the, I think the difference is, is that I'll see movies that aren't under Marvel that that are new and unique. Uh, I think I've had enough new characters and new properties under Disney and Marvel for now, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that that's fair. Again, I get excited for this stuff and. I'm looking forward to this, I guess. Like, you know, I like Nova as a character. I would I would watch a Nova, whatever. Sure, I'll enjoy it when it comes out. But on on things that we're pretty met about, there's the She-Hulk series. Tatiana Maslany and Mark Ruffalo starring She-Hulk, uh, rumored to be featuring Charlie Cox's Daredevil, which, you know, makes sense because they're both lawyers. Um it's there's been a rumor circulating this week that like people close to the film uh close with the uh series shoot are like freaking out and no one knows if this thing is a piece of shit or not uh and like there's just like a lot of like discord about it and then there was later news stories that were like 
overwhelmingly positive. Like, no, no, no. My inside sources were saying that uh, this is going great and we think it's going to be a really good show, which makes me think it's like part of the marketing machine trying to uh, sway the opinion there a little bit by spreading some some different contrary rumors I, who knows you know with this but i i just thought it was like a a funny like he said she said kind of situation over a series that i'm sure no one's really thinking about he hulk said she hulk said <laughs> <laughs> yeah when are we gonna you know when, when are we gonna get they hulk they hulk <laughs> That's a great uh, Jeff Foxworthy joke. <laughs> I know, that- when I was a kid, uh, we had to earn the trophies. When I was a kid, we only had a He-Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> These are all funnier than anything in the Jeff Foxworthy special. Me and Anthony, we we watched, we tried we to watch it? maybe, we tried to watch it. We got like maybe 15 minutes in and we were like, all right, this is enough. Oh my uh, God. I, I guarantee you it's not the worst stand-up special this year fucking janet roth who i had never heard of before today she rented out the i want to say like the laugh factory something oh, along those lines wait, wait is this the woman who at the, the 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 projector broke and she tried to like you know get up in front of the audience and like do it do a bit did you did you not hear about this no no it was okay so there was a thing where it's like uh, in in Burbank, there was like a, an AMC theater where the projector broke. Oh and- God, yeah, no, I did see this. Uh, <laughs> that lady sucked. So this is not her. No, no, this is some other insufferable person. Uh, so she, I don't know, thinks she's a comedian. She's like this Ukrainian woman uh, with like a you know, it seems seems like a pretty like loose grasp on the language, but she wants to be a stand up comedian, which is fine. She rented out a uh, a comedy club, a very well known comedy club, and shot a special during COVID, but without anyone in the club. So it's all laugh track and stuff. In so there. this is so it's all John Oliver's specials from like in from like when COVID was happening. No, however no bad you're thinking it is, like it's it's worse than that. It's like you you know those videos that are like I made an AI watch a uh, hundred million hours of stand-up comedy and this is what it wrote have you ever seen those i i did it was the jeff foxworthy special sure <laughs> this is exactly that like everything she says like kind of makes sense but like it's it's like a degree off like you feel like you are having a stroke watching it because like this can't be real life and it's on amazon prime like i, I can't recommend it enough it's so confusing uh just janet roth uh I think overly analytical is what it's called. But if you type in Janet Roth, it will come up. Watch it. Yeah. It's batshit crazy. Man, yeah. yeah. Next, next story. I have another quick news story for you guys. The amazing Spider-Man three. There's like a big online uh, campaign from the fans who want to see after his appearance in no way home, Andrew Garfield come back to the Spider-Man role for the next movie in his series. Uh, and he keeps saying, like, no, there's no plans to do this. No one's talking about this. This isn't really being considered right now. But he's also saying, like, I know that no one will believe anything I say ever again. I think that's a direct quote. No one will believe anything I say ever again because of his notorious uh, promotion of Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, well, I, it was actually promotion for Tick Tick Boom, uh, during which he answered a bunch of questions that he had to answer. No, I'm not in that Spider-Man movie, which was a lie. Um, yeah. uh, I think should at this he point, feel this bad? I think 
this is the same thing I feel about the Batman news where it's like we had this Batman series, we had this Spider-Man series, just forget about it. We have new Spider-Mans now. That's your Spider-Man. Move on. I, we kind of stop and dig it up like, oh, but now we can do Amazing Spider-Man 3. No, you can't. The chance for that is gone. I don't know. It doesn't cost me any fucking money. Make Sam, the fucking movie. I'll watch it. I'm Sam curious. Raimi, like, it's like, okay, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 4, the ship has sailed on that possibility. The the Amazing Spider-Man 3, it's like you had your chance back then to make it. If it came out then, then fine. But now it's like we, we've we we've moved on. We're doing new Spider-Mans now. We don't need this anymore. Speaking of being confused about Spider-Man, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Morbius reactions have begun. Uh, and, and it's been hilarious. Have you been so- following this? So I know that Morbius does come out uh, this weekend. Uh, yes, I, I I will probably end up seeing it out of uh, out of ironic curiosity, but um, but yeah. So apparently the movie, what it's got like a twenty five on Rotten Tomatoes. No, it's point. less than that. I think last I checked it was like sixteen. <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna pull it up because it, it it's it's just like pathetic the the reactions here, and it's. Nineteen percent right now. Nineteen. We're in the. We're lower than twenty. This is delicious. I yeah. can't wait. It's 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 a now officially going to be a notoriously bad movie, no matter what. Um, it looks like dog shit, so it's like not that surprising that it's this bad. But like the things people are saying about it are just fucking funny. Like like just that like it, it just like on like a base level makes no sense, and that uh, it's all gross and ugly it shouldn't exist or that like people are really like digging into this and the reactions to the post-credit scenes uh you know what Uh, let me let me stop right here if you don't want to be spoiled for morbius uh you know fast forward like two or three minutes Okay, but um, I can't fast forward you. No, yeah, you're going to hear. Are, I'm sorry, are you concerned about uh, being spoiled for Mor- Morbius? I want to be Mike. sure that when I'm sitting in this theater, I'm going to be I'm not I'm going to be gobsmacked because it's I would have never heard of what just I, the post credit scene. I'm not going to ruin the actual plot of the movie. Okay. <laughs> but that I feel like that's a bigger reveal than anything. Like who cares about what the plot of the movie? Okay, is? I won't, I won't talk about it. I won't talk about it. We can save it we, for next month's episode okay sure <laughs> absolutely but it's i i all i'll say is it's like just so deeply misguided and confusing that that's it okay all right well now that we've we've gotten out of marvel territory now but we're still in the disney realm there's and, no escaping that fucking mouse yeah. in the midst of, of disney's whole uh you know scandal i guess it is where you know people higher ups of the company financially support politicians behind the don't say gay bill um which you know like led to a lot of like walkouts like individual divisions of that company posting social media things in support of the lgbtq community it was a whole to do um and on the heels of that there was this talk about uh disney meddling with pixar movies when they wanted to include uh you know queer content and uh they referenced like several uh several movies had apparently had uh had studio meddling kind of tarnish the whole message of, of of what they were trying to get out there and they also mentioned that a same sex kiss has been restored in light year um that was previously cut because of higher up demands let buzz light year be gay <laughs> yeah i'm down for it man let, let him and woody just like 
full blown this just is how, 69 each other this is how we can reclaim this character from tim allen make him gay yeah make <laughs> him gay be- make him just fucking like like just show like just disgusting sex scenes with him you know <laughs> just repulsive Re- just- real lars von trier yeah. stuff something's gonna get kicked out of sundance you know Gay sex with the yassified Buzz Buzz Lightyear. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyway, so now next up, out of the Disney Marvel realm, here's some some other uh, miscellaneous other uh, movie news. Back to WB a little bit. Uh, Dune Part Two. uh, They're in currently in talks to try to cast one of the new characters for Dune Part Two, and one of the actresses that they are courting is Florence Pugh, and. Nothing else really has been known about uh, if if this is confirmed or if there's anyone else who's uh, closer to courting this role. But it seems as if Florence Pugh is right now the one that is being talked about the most. Yep. And I'm in. I'm I'm in. Yep. Uh, I love certainly, her. Certainly uh, feels yeah, like in. The, yep. Certainly feels like in the same category of casting as like Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, like this that same yeah. era of movie stars now. Um but I'm, yeah, I'm perfectly for it as well. It's it seems it does seem very almost obvious where it's like, oh, Florence Pugh, <laughs> like yeah. okay, no, yeah, anything she's casting, they're like, yeah, that that seems like a logical choice. She's a woman and an actor. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, so next and then next, this one, I can't believe that this actually happened. We made we made a joke about this movie existing last episode. I didn't mean for this to be i didn't mean we put that out there in the universe i didn't mean to manifest this we did in this. real life but <laughs> apparently piano man is <laughs> and it's called piano man like we made that title <laughs> as a joke of what a billy joel biopic would be but they're talking about piano man now and they have apparently greenlit the movie but they have not yet secured the rights to the likeness music of billy joel at all whatsoever. What the fuck is this movie going to be about? <laughs> if, if the guy can't look like or perform the music of Billy Joel, what is the Billy Joel biopic going to be? You know what else they don't have the rights to? They do not have the exclusive rights to the story of Louis Otero as an underage boy in Long Island buying, getting beer bought from him by Billy Joel. That story belongs to us. If that shows up in the movie, we're suing your asses. Fucking suing. Yeah, that is a, I guess technically an RMR original, but what is RMR anymore? It's nothing. Yeah. It's a Lewis and Mike original now. Well, I wasn't there. I can't claim the story. I guess it's like a Lewis and James. Or, it goes back. It, it happened when I was very young. That that, we that sounds terrible. He's a nice man. I like Billy Joel. I don't want to. I'm not shit talking. I'm not trying to start anything with Billy Joel. I like him a lot. No, but but start anything with Billy Joel, like he would give a shit. Yeah. Also, but I'm sure that. Do you think he would remember you? Like, (laughs) no. One, I look nothing like this. And and two, we were like in the dark, like in in the middle of the night, and I'm pretty sure he was drunk. I, I could I could be wrong, but that that was I remember that being my impression. We're not here to we're not here to start rumors uh, about falsities about Billy Joel and his likeness. This all all I'm these... from Long Island. I adore Billy Joel. I will not betray him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what if Did that's like the, what if that's like the framing device of the movie? Like you know how most of them like it's like them before a big concert or like a big <laughs> defining moment of their career. What if the Billy Joel biopic? because they don't have any rights to his likeness or music. What if the, the, the opening scene, the, the, the framing device is 
he buys the beer for the underage kids who will later on go on to write Fontaine and the Vengeful Nun who committed suicide. Oh, whatever uh, the title of the I'm sorry, I still don't know the whole Jesus title off Christ. the top it's, of my head. Okay, we can just call it Leo Fontaine. I, I, I think people will get it. I, I think it should just the whole movie takes place over the course of him handing me the beer like and then, you know, we'll dramatize it. So he just hands me like a bottle, like an open bottle. He just opened it and he's handing it to me. And the whole movie takes place during flashbacks between my hand starting to move and him and uh, me accepting the beer from Billy Joel. End scene. There's no way that Billy Joel's life was interesting, right? <laughs> Like, 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 what could, like, <sighs> I, yeah, yeah. all right. So now let's move on to, uh, there was recently a big, large, um, a large image that was released of depicting of everyone in the cast of Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. It was a big, big like sp- a big spreadsheet looking, uh, photo of the cast and it's got Florence Pugh, Cillian Murphy, Kenneth Branagh, Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Jason Clark, Josh Peck, Rami Malek, Josh Hartnett, Benny Safdie, Matthew Modine. Just running down the list. Who else do we got here? Alden Alden Ehrenreich. (laughs) Every young-looking white man in Hollywood is cast in Oppenheimer. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know. I think it does. I I don't know. I, I like Christopher Nolan's. I, I mean, I think I did like Christopher Nolan's movies for all the time, but I think he's, I think he's getting a little bit too, a little too fixated on certain areas in history and cast members that I'm like, all right, this is just kind of feeling a little plain yeah, to me now. Maybe, but I'll, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward more to this than I have been for his like last few films. Just, I, 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 I think the more I think about it, really the idea of a Oppenheimer biopic actually sounds like something maybe worth exploring with me not having that much detail about, you know, his life. It it kind of sounds dramatically or existentially interesting. Uh, I think his like recent movies have just been so caught up in like the visual stuff. And like, if this just grounds him a bit and brings him back to basics without trying to like learn astrophysics to make a fucking movie, I, you know, I'm interested. I want to see what, what comes of it. All right, so now next up, what else do we got here? All right, so now we're moving on to... Oh, also, so... And also, John Carney has... Uh, I think as of today, it's been announced what John Carney's next film is, and it's going to apparently be a Bee Gees biopic. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we knew it, it would have something to do with music um, because uh, all three of his previous movies, uh, Once, Begin Again, and Sing Street, all very music-centric, but all all original stories like i was kind of at least i'm a little more apathetic about like oh he's just doing a musical biopic especially because we spent all of this episode and the last episode just dogging on yeah music biopics and they're all the same hopefully he may be able to bring something new to this but it, even the music's not going to be new like that's the great thing about john carney movies is that the original soundtracks and the songs that are written for the movie if this is just bg songs then i'm like all right i guess but I'd rather I'd rather him do an original prop original thing again. Um, and I'm waiting on that Sing Street Broadway musical to finally happen. And I don't think we'll ever see it. But that I'm waiting on pins and needles. And me and Lewis and everybody we know who loves Sing Street are will prep for it the day yeah. one. But Absolutely. yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm 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 bummed by by this. I uh, I 
would wish that his next movie would be a movie I could possibly care about. I, I there is no version, there's no alternate dimension version of Lewis that is interested in a fucking BG's biopic. Like I do not fucking care. I'm probably not gonna watch it. That sounds thoroughly unpleasant to me. Uh, so sadly, pass. I hope he does something cool next time. I was thinking, like, maybe do you think that, like, you know, he's very like based in Ireland. Like, you think that isn't there, like, you know, a, a prolific Irish musician that maybe he could have made a biopic about that might have, I don't know, maybe that's Hoosier. a little bit more. Hoosier. <laughs> Take me to church. Yeah. That would be the name of the movie, by the way. Take, Take me, to, me church. to church. Of course. Because <laughs> it's what's the name of the Bee Gees movie going to be? <laughs> Staying alive. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. If it is. I think we've run out of ideas at that point. Uh, all right. Uh, so now let's move on to another area of Lewis's expertise, uh, not just superheroes and Marvel, but he's also a big horror guy. So why don't you talk about the whore? Yeah, I, I sure am a big fan of horror. Um, <laughs> fan of whore. So, uh, above all, you know, I'm a horror fan, but even I think above that, I'm an Evil Dead fan. Uh, and so, you know, I got a tattoo and everything. I didn't like roll up my sleeves for that reason. No one can see that. This is bad podcasting. Um, but I have heard uh, rumblings of the Evil Dead Rise for a while. It's been shooting now and it's it's definitely confirmed and uh, it, it is just its own thing. It seems like pretty un- disconnected from uh, Fetty Alvarez's uh, timeline and from the Ash versus the Evil Dead timeline. Um, and takes place in a skyscraper in LA, I think is the elevator pitch. Uh, it seems like it's wrapped. We've seen the the director post pictures of like the editing uh, process and seems like it's pretty far along. It has been rated, which makes me think that like the marketing campaign is probably going to kick up soon. Uh, it received an R rating. Um, there's in May and Evil Dead video game coming out. Uh, I'm assuming it was just recently delayed to till uh, May, and I'm assuming marketing for that will probably coincide with the release of that game in some way or another, or maybe like DLC, which makes me think we'll hear more about this in May. I just wanted to put it on there because I like really like Evil Dead. Really curious about this. Uh, it's got an HBO Max exclusive, which is also like a weird little footnote. It's going right to streaming. So yeah, there's that. Yeah, that. I mean, this was a uh, news to me because I didn't even know about this movie uh, being made. And now it's apparently like wrapped and has a rating and is like going to be I feel like, yeah, I feel like I would have heard about this a little earlier. Like I would have heard that somebody's making a new Evil Dead movie. Maybe I just don't run in the same circles as you. Maybe you've been hearing about this for years. Um, I mean, yeah, I think like the last like maybe year and a half, uh, maybe like a year and two months, actually. Um, I've I've been hearing about this this movie uh it's lee cronin the guy who directed the hole in the ground which i saw and it's it's fine uh i don't really know how to feel about it the you know uh ramey and campbell are still i think producing uh you know it's just kind of a wait and see for me i'm I'm trying not to put any expectations on it and maybe i'll be pleasantly surprised all right, and now why don't we move on to the next bit of uh, news. Uh, this is another movie that I didn't really know anything about, so you talk about this. Yeah, I actually put this on here because I was like, oh, Mike would love this movie. Um, so Phil Tuppett made this movie called Mad God that he's been working on for, I think, 30 years, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. It is, 30 years? Yeah, it's like a boyhood-level uh, obsession. <laughs> um, 
He's been trying to make it for a while. He's done like a lot of like puppetry and animation stuff for like movies. Uh, I think he worked on like the Mandalorian and stuff. Um, but with his own studio, he created this film, Mad God. It's hit the festival circuit and people seem to really love it. I guess it's a little polarizing. Some people are like, this is uh, like really visually interesting and cool that he did this all. But it, the story and doesn't really work out. Other people think it's a masterpiece. Um, but uh, we've all been waiting for it and hoping we'd get a chance to see it soon. Uh, and luckily today it was announced that Shudder has acquired it and will be releasing it, uh, which is really, really exciting. And this has been like exhausting for me because I've been really curious about it. And Mike, I know how much you liked uh, Frank and Zed at Brooklyn Horror Film Festival a few years ago. So I figured this would be kind of up your alley because they have similar uh, visual aesthetics. Yeah, stop, stop motion horror movie sounds pretty interesting to me. I keep running across this movie on shutter that I keep saying, Oh, I'm going to watch that soon. Uh, but I never do, uh, the wolf house. Uh, oh, yeah. also, yeah. I and I didn't, wasn't into it. Well, well, yeah. And then there was also a, on Netflix, wasn't there recently released a, they also released a movie called the house, which is also like a stop motion kind of like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Never seen it. Yeah. I don't know. I guess, yeah, I guess stop, stop motion horror. That's a very good pitch for me. I'll definitely, whenever this gets released, I'll probably watch it. Um, uh, but yeah, so that sounds interesting. Uh, next up, another bit of franchise horror. Uh, yeah, our, our last bit of horror news here. Uh, might as well close it out with a fan favorite. Uh, if you were really into that shitty Scream movie that came out a few months ago, boy, must you be excited because Scream 6 has been greenlit. Courtney Cox has boarded the film and it has a release date of March 31st. 2023 uh 366 days from when we are recording this episode uh yeah. so hope you're excited for it uh yeah so i didn't see do the, something different I, I didn't see the new scream movie i haven't seen any scream movie actually so oh, i didn't know in a the lot new, of them are great it, it is a good franchise i i just i was confused by the like overwhelmingly positive reaction to the last one because i thought it was not very good um but yeah, you should watch screen movies. I'll watch screen movies with you. We should do that. Sounds like a fun thing. But so apparently, so was any of the returning cast in five? Yeah, man. So um, what's her name? Who plays Sydney Prescott? I always forget her fucking name. Uh, it, it's it's out of there. I'm not going to do it. He, uh, She was back. David Arquette, Courtney Cox. They were all there. You think they're going to uh, bring Jamie Kennedy back? No, I don't think I don't think Jamie Kennedy is going to be in any movies ever again. I think it's pretty much game over for that guy. You don't come back from Son of the Mask. Yeah. You'll come back from Heckler, which is a documentary he made complaining about everybody who hated Son of the Mask. <laughs> oh, my God. I, most... I love that documentary. It's terrible. It's, it's one of the most... so fucking bad. It's... It's one of the most pathetic things that I've ever seen. It is uh, groveling. Like, it is terrible. Um, yeah. Anyway, while we're on the genre topic, we're moving out of horror, but we'll stick on, uh, you know, bizarre things. Uh, Robert Rodriguez is set to direct a Spy Kids reboot for Netflix. Yeah, didn't they have a Shark Boy and Lava Girl re reboot movie for Netflix they recently? Did and I think there was a Spy Kids reboot movie. It was like Spy Kids, like the four Spy Kids movie was... Uh, yeah, Spy Kids 4D with the smelling with the smell of vision. Yeah, they I guess it was a reboot because it was new kids. 
but like nobody cared about that. It was over 10 years ago, but now I feel like we're at an age now where we, we people have like now an ironic love for spy kids and shark boy and lava girl. Like, and they did that. What was that? We can be heroes that, uh, that was yeah, supposed to be I a, think spy- it was a movie. Right? Yeah, that was a movie. Yeah, wasn't it supposed to be? Isn't that like a Spy Kids or Shark Boy no, and Lava it's Girl? No, Shark reboot? Boy and Lava Girl grown up, but it's not a Spy okay. Kids thing. Oh, okay. Are they going to cross those universes? Are they going to make a cinematic? God, universe? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only thing that I I remember about Shark Boy and Lava Girl is the line where the, the the insane line reading that the kid has when he's in the school. He's like, "Take him down to the principal's office and have him expelled." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that rings no bells for me but I, 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 uh fantastic scene uh anyway but now uh back into more ridiculous kid shit gotta go fast to see sonic 2 yeah, in the baby. theaters we're entering the the sonic the hedgehog phase of cinema like there were there were westerns then there were superheroes well there were noirs then westerns then superhero movies and now it is the Sonic the Hedgehog era because we are getting a full-blown Sonic the Hedgehog cinematic universe uh, that is including a solo knuckle show starring Idris Elba, a Tales solo film, and then another Sonic film already greenlit before Sonic 2 has even come out, although critics have seen it, and it currently has a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm psyched. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably of, I guess, of same quality of the first movie. Although I, I though we did say that we thought that this one looked a little better than the first one. Oh, I think it looks but, way better. I can't wait to watch it. I'm, I'm yeah. excited about this. Like genuinely, I, I, I'm gonna watch all of these things. Yeah, you know what's funny is that like, we we joke about like, oh, Sonic is the new cinema, but we think Sonic, the first Sonic movie, came out before the pandemic, so they're very, there's a very clear pre-Sonic and post-Sonic in in the, yeah. the film industry now he did this to us yeah <laughs> um but yeah i mean listen i'll i'll definitely i'm i said I'm, I'll, I'm excited to see this second movie and to you know drink and laugh my way through it just like i did Sunday the first morning, one like a fucking asshole or a pedophile i'm going to go alone to see sonic the hedgehog at my local amc my wife okay. will not come with me she has refused outright <laughs> Don't, don't uh, and I'll, I'll take me it. and Steve, me and my brother. We'll we'll take you. We'll go come with us. We'll have a fun, a grand old time. Right, let me know when you're going. Yep. Yeah. All right. And so now, to to finish off all of the news and marketing related things that have happened, uh, might as well finish it off with the Oscars happened, <laughs> and it was the worst day of my life because the this I I. Still, I couldn't believe it. I said, if there's no way that this Oscars could be worse than last year's, and sure enough, they did it. And like, not even it's not even close how much worse this is than I last year. I feel year's. that every year. Every year you do this to yourself. Every year, it's like just, it it's, gets worse every year, and it's just gonna it's gonna stay on that trajectory for the rest yep. of my life. That the we're never gonna get a Hugh Jackman year ever again. By the we're time not- you die, the Oscars is gonna be like people announcing. Uh, and announcing the winners while stabbing you to death. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, God! I mean, here's the thing: the winners aren't even the worst parts of these. No, like, the winners no. are fine. I, but... If only it was just the winners. Yeah, it's the whole show and all of the stuff that they tried to incorporate to make this show an event. So first off, this fucking 
Bruno performance that they kept hyping up. We're going to perform. We don't talk about Bruno. And it's the first time, the first time that we don't talk about Bruno is going to be performed on live TV. And you know what it was? It was like the first 30 seconds of the song. And then Megan the Stallion comes out and does a whole fucking ad libbed verse of of fucking bullshit. And that has nothing to do with the song. And it's like, if you, if you're a kid and you love Encanto and you love the Bruno song and you can't wait to see them do it in real life. And then Megan the Stallion comes out and starts singing stuff that isn't the song. Like, why would you like that? Why would you why would you be excited for I'll that? I'll tell you what, I am a grown ass man. I am 27 years old. I do not like the Oscars. In fact, I get a little bummed whenever they happen every year. I was still I was like, you know, this is terrible, but at least the day after I will be able to look up that video and I'll see the first live performance of We Don't Talk About Bruno. I was very I was looking forward to it. I like that song. Not a fan of the movie, but the music was very good. And then this shit happened when Megan the Stallion or Megan the Stallion started rapping. I wanted to fucking die. I was so sad. It, this this whole event is just such try hard cringe incarnate where it's like we're going to try to appeal to every single mass market that we can at the same time. Like and this this Bruno performance was like an, an exact uh, in, encapsulment of that where it's like the Bruno performance was like an appeal to stupid people like like there's no other demographic that could possibly like if you if you think that that was good like you are are just every, a big dumb idiot every I aspect, don't feel bad no every aspect of this Oscars was meant to appeal to stupid people that is the only demographic that they were chasing is complete mouth breathers because this <laughs> this show Every everything about it was like we're gonna do a tribute, a fifty year tribute to the Godfather, and we're gonna put a fucking trap remix over it because we need to cross those demographics. <laughs> we're gonna have Sean, we're gonna have Sh- uh, Sean White and Tony Hawk and a bunch of extreme pro sports what? people. They're gonna introduce the James Bond tribute for fi- the fifty years of James Bond. That's what we're we're going to have them do it because James Bond is kind of like an extreme sports star because of all of the the the, the jumping out of planes and stuff that he does. Every word movies. you say about this year's Oscars make me sadder. Like I, I am I'm not kidding. Like that was just unfortunate to even listen to a description of yeah. <laughs> it's it's really I felt like my brother was sitting next to me and he's like. He's like, you really look forward to this every year. Like, this is your Super Bowl. You get everybody excited to come sit around and watch this bullshit. And I'm like, listen, I know it's going to be bad. I, I watch it out of obligation, kind yeah, of. Yeah, but every year you're still like a little sad about it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you seem like a little heartbroken every time it's awful. Well, even you admitted that you yourself also get bummed whenever the Oscars happen. So yeah, I, mean, I just get bummed in general because I was like, everyone's going to fucking talk about it. And then, like, I was like, I'm only going to get like three months after this where they stop predicting we're like they're not predicting oscars anymore because like they the pundits get right back to it let me tell you sometimes even before the oscars happen yeah no it's this cycle yeah it's a it it also really it kills any enthusiasm that i have for any of these movies because a lot of the movies that were nominated for best picture i think were very good and even the winner coda end up winning best picture and uh i think it's a very it's a very good win it wasn't the power of the dog which Power of the Dog ended up going down a losing streak uh, where we all thought that that was like, oh, right, that's going to be the winner. Like, That's what I assumed, yeah. yeah. Knowing and, nothing and having not seen the movie. Yeah. 
and it only one director and i think it's like we 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 talked about that sam elliott comment from last time but i think <laughs> it's like that was like a snowball effect for like all of the power of the dog backlash and it's like i don't think it's entirely like spawning from just that but there was also jane campion made like that comment about venus and serena williams during one of her acceptance speeches at some other award show and i think that i i do think that like all of the stuff piling onto it just kind of soured people on power of the dog what comment did she make about venus and she said something about venus like after the sam elliott comment where I think someone asked her about it and she was like, oh, he was being a little bitch. And I was like, that's cool that she said that. Yeah, that but then, was cool. But then uh, I think she was she made it as, as an acceptance speech where she said something about like, you know, I think Venus and Serena Williams, you you definitely know what I'm going through dealing with all these men. And I'm like, uh, don't dude, don't compare yourself like you, you your life experiences are not the same. You don't get to do that. Yeah. Um, but she immediately put out a statement apologizing the day after but uh it ended up i think ended up contributing to power of the dog only winning one award which was best director which is significant because the the last time that a movie won best director and nothing else was the graduate in 1967 and oh my god but like okay the for the dune won fucking everything that night i get like a movie getting that many awards not winning like best picture but not winning best director like who do you think is putting this shit together yeah, man no the, the fact like, that he, he, the fact that he wasn't even nominated for best director though like that's, that's the that's insane fucking part crazy yeah no yeah like i feel like if he was nominated he probably would have won and i don't there's no reason why he's not nominated i'm i'm, I'm yeah. sorry what he did was incredible i'm not even that big of a fan of the movie but like you just gotta respect it yeah even just from a stats perspective it's like it won cinematography, score, editing, all these technical craft stuff that it won. Sound. It's like, yeah, I think that there's comes a point where it's like, yeah, he he the director is like the the architect behind that. And, and then again, Jane Campion, all of the technical factors about Powered Dog are also terrific. And she deserves to win uh, that Oscar as well. Uh, it is. It does feel weird, though, that Dune won so many awards and it feels like nothing happened. And it's yeah. also because... Uh, it's all already got the sequel. Who cares? Yeah, it also feels like because most of the awards that Dune won, uh, it won during that pre-recorded <laughs> pre-show thing where it's like, they're like, oh, well, we need to cut down on time. So we're going to cut out these awards. But then you're going to edit them back into the show and the show's still going to run over three and a half hours long. So what was the purpose of doing that? If you were to cut the cut the categories for time, okay, fine. Why are we having three hosts? Why are we having more musical numbers and bad tributes and bad comedy bits? It's like cut out all of that bullshit and just the awards, and you'd have a, a solid three hour show. Like, like yeah, we and we could just reserve an hour for uh you know the flash enters the speed force for everyone involved with that to do their speeches. Jeez, the biggest that, moment of the Oscars oh, yeah. this year. Um, yeah, that also a big aspect of fucking marketing wankery that just went awry. Where wankery? They, yes, they they introduced this new thing, this Twitter category where it's like, and like right in your Oscars fans' favorite movie or Oscar fans' favorite Oscar moment or favorite cheer moment, and it's like the movies were all movies from. 2021 okay and then the oscars fan cheer moment was just any movie that's ever been made ever any movie fucking ever yeah which is just 
this is the most embarrassing organization possibly in the world this is fucking pathetic where they are right now that they are doing this shit this in the year of our lord 2022 they were like hey let's call it what's the greatest movie moment of all time and the and the winner was the flash enters the speed force from because zack snyder's justice league fucking restore the snyderverse people are relentless and if you nominate them for anything like it, <laughs> it's gonna win it's it's gonna win if it's left up to fan vote they are organized and they they go after it because then the the winner of the fan favorite movie was <laughs> Zack snyder's army of the dead yeah which i i mean i thought was fine but whoa is that a crazy thing to award it <laughs> Um, no, I mean, and it's Spider-Man No Way Home, which was the whole reason they invented these two categories was to appeal to normies and be like, we'll give Spider-Man these awards. And it didn't even win any of them. Spider-Man <laughs> Spider came in like fourth on these. Like they showed the countdown and it was yeah, like, no, it wasn't even close. There, there were stands behind a lot of the nominees. You can't fight with stands, man. You don't have a chance. Yeah, not the ultimate stand. Stan Lee. <laughs> Uh, I guess the Tom Holland stands don't show up. Yeah. I guess that's what we're learning. Yeah. But As yeah, a challenge. Uh, there's one big elephant in the room about the Oscars, and we're not going to talk about like the whole incident because this isn't a celebrity gossip podcast. But when Will, before Will Smith accepted his award for best actor for King Richard, I'm sure you all know he slapped Chris Rock in the face on stage like and then, five minutes before. Yeah. And then <laughs> like really soon. Before. And then uh, when he went and accepted his award, he was very <laughs> tearful and seemed very remorseful and uh, related a lot of his speech vaguely tying it into the incident that just occurred as well as to his movie which again, I feel is a kind of a shitty thing to do to your the movie's legacy now and the other actors that were involved in it that now this movie is associated with this viral moment, which again, it's like they all feel like the, the Oscars trying to like manufacture some like viral hit moment. Yep. And it's like sometimes it's just shit like this is just going to happen. Like and this has been dominating all conversation about the Oscars and about this movie and this win. And uh, it's been about three days and I'm already sick of it. I do not want to hear any more takes about it. No more takes, any no more memes done. We're not offering takes. We're not going to talk about it. No, nope. this, this is we're just mentioning that it happened. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so this uh, even before uh, this happened, I was firm in saying that I think King Richard was my least favorite movie nominated for Best Picture. It just feels so formulaic and generic sports feel good biopic that just kind of feels like a best picture movie from like 20 years ago yeah yeah, yeah. no I, I had i that's definitely the movie i wanted to watch the least uh that is nominated for even Oscar. even don't look up i think oh no it, yeah well i mean i saw it already but yeah had but I, no, but I will say even having seen up. both of them at least don't look up is like all right at least there's an idea behind this it's a bad idea and it's very Pan, it's very pandering and condescending. I and chuckled I, a few I, times in that movie. I, um, I, I think ev the only things I think were okay about that movie were uh, things that did not have to do with comedy at all. Uh, comedy, <laughs> uh, comedy, and political satire are are not that movie's strong suit at all. Um, I like the bit about. Yeah, I won't get into it. Yeah. 
but but yeah, so I guess finishing it off, Coda won Best Picture. I think I mentioned that a little bit before. Coda won every award it was nominated for, which was only three awards. It was nominated for Best Picture, Supporting Actor, and Adapted Screenplay, and it won all of them, which seems no. very surprising. Hey, listen, it's a nice, sweet movie. No, no, no. I, I, I'm not downing the, the the quality of it. It's just so silly, like, uh, having only three nominations. I mean, yeah, it, it won three awards. Dune won, like, eight awards. I'm not that into Dune. I sound like I'm, like, the biggest Dune fan, and I'm super bothered about this. I'm not. But it won so many of the other awards, and it is a very impressive movie. How on earth did it not at least get Best Director? Like, what the fuck happened here? Well, yeah, I mean, we knew that wasn't going to happen because it wasn't even nominated. But yeah, that's just I think at that point, it's like because I feel like if Dune won all the rest of that stuff, there's could have been a chance. It's like, oh, shit, you think it might win Best Picture, but didn't have director. Yeah. And we knew it was. I mean, it's like, yeah, if you win a writing award that like basically almost ensures that you're going to win Best Picture, because that's kind of where yeah, a lot of people true. vote with their heart, with the story and the characters and that stuff that's in the screenplay. Um, and yeah, Coda's a, it's a, it's a nice little film about, uh, an underrepresented community and people are very unnecessarily mean about it because it wasn't no. as good as some of the other movies. It's like, I, I don't know how you can get mad at such like this, this nice little innocent movie. It's, it's a good message. It's got good heart and, and it's a, and it's a, it's a heartwarming movie, like an, an actual, a movie that actually is heartwarming and not in like this artificial manufactured biopicy Oscar bait way like Belfast and King Richard where it's like oh they're like oh they're meant to be like oh crowd pleasing feel good movies but it's like they just kind of feel very manipulative whereas like this movie actually does have a, a heart and an emotion to it that I think actually does work and I think that that's why this movie won best picture and I I can't fault it for that I think it's one of it's it's at least in the top five of the movies nominated I'm, I'm sure it's very good mm-hmm <laughs> All right. Well, so that's the end of the March edition of Cinemarketing's Market Research Podcast. Uh, we hope we brought some interesting stories to light and hope we added some interesting conversation around these movies and interested to see where any of these go and whenever these movies come out. Hopefully, maybe they'll be interesting enough to make a whole episode about in a couple years down the line. So uh, thank you again, Lewis, for joining me and adding all of your uh, you know, um, in, baby. information and expertise and knowledge. Where can the people find you on the internet? At Lewis J. Otero on Twitter, at Blood, Guts, and Lewis on Instagram. And Lewis is spelled L O U I S L O U I S. Oh, and uh, my other podcast, The Gory Picture Show. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Gory underscore show and follow us on whatever podcast service you fucking use. It's not my business, but. Hey. And you can follow me at at uh, the Kino Man on Twitter and Instagram, and you can follow this podcast at Cinemarket Pod on Twitter and Cinemarketing Podcast on Instagram. Uh, we should be having a new mainline episode out uh, sometime within the next week or two. That's what I want for this new schedule to be. I want this to be bi monthly. Uh, the beginning of the month is going to be market research, and then two weeks from then is going to be a mainline episode. And then another two weeks, you get market research again. So it's I want that that schedule to be locked in. So that's a uh, solid plan you have. Yeah. And thank you for joining me. And I uh, look forward to coming back to you. All right. See you in May. See you in.
May for the April episode. Not a fucking moment sooner, Mike. If you if I see you anywhere near my apartment, 